This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 6, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Vladimir Putin has mobilized an army, though not necessarily the one he intended. As Russia prepares to conscript hundreds of thousands of Russians for the war in Ukraine, a massive number of eligible men have decided they want no part of it and are attempting to leave. Cato's Alex Narasta says Europe and the U.S. should be welcoming these people, both to drain Russia of a key resource and let those people contribute to less restricted economies. Vladimir Putin has uh, pledged to raise additional soldiers for uh, his war in Ukraine, and that has caused, in some areas, a large-scale mobilization out of Russia. How should Europe respond to that? Europe should respond by making it a lot easier for Russians to leave Russia and come into Europe. We've seen uh, the opposite in some cases. So a lot of European countries have put stricter visa restrictions on uh, Russians coming in. And the country of Estonia banned visas for all Russians, actually, in, in August. So I think Europe, not, not all European countries, I mean, Finland is still allowing uh, Russians to enter across the land border. However, I think they are taking the exact wrong approach. Their justifications are to try to prevent spies from coming in, uh, from more information about European military aid to the Ukrainians from going out. And I, I understand those motivations. Those make a lot of sense. But the number of potential soldiers, of taxpayers, of other people who could support the Russian regime directly or indirectly by their activities by remaining inside Russia... Um, the benefits of the Russian regime of locking these people in or making it more difficult for them to leave, I think, vastly outweighs uh, any of the costs of additional uh, espionage that could occur by Russians leaving. And what about the U- what U.S.? How should the U.S. respond? Ideally, the U.S. should issue a rule that says any Russian who comes here can get a visa and can stay in the United States at a minimum until the end of the war with the option of being able to stay permanently thereafter. I think we would see a massive exodus of some of the most skilled people in Russia and people who do not want to be conscripted into their armed services. Russia has, for the last several decades, uh, demographic problems, demographic crisis, low birth rate, declining population, especially in some regions of Russia. If the United States is actually worried about Uh, Russian aggression or Russian foreign policy or Russian designs on different parts of the world, this is a great way to weaken their long-term potential. Now, there will be some spies. That's absolutely guaranteed. There are Russian spies now in the U.S. There have been those apprehended over the last several years. But the benefit of getting hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of Russians out of that country, especially young, productive Russians here, outweighs the downsides of more es- more espionage. So this is essentially what you were saying uh, when China was engaged in these broad-scale COVID lockdowns. That is, there are talented people in China, there are talented people in Russia, and to the extent that we are spending money, sending money to Ukraine, a better, less expensive policy, far less expensive policy, uh, is to just allow the people who don't want to participate in all that to come to the land of the free. That's right. It's a it's a less expensive, better policy. Two things work against it. 
uh, one is politics or is this feeling amongst elected officials in the West, the United States included, that we just need to punish Russia. And that unfortunately extends to all Russians, even those who don't support the regime. The second is my strategy is much more of a long-term strategy. The wealth and prosperity and ultimately geopolitical power of nations is determined by the populations that are there. And a larger, more skilled population is just going to have a higher GDP, more economic growth, more economic dynamism and innovation, and a larger pool of people to support it. And so if we're worried about these countries, this is a great long-term strategy. It's what the United States did during the Cold War against the Soviet Union and other Eastern Bloc countries. We tried to get as many people out as who wanted to get out. Uh, with Cuba, we had a wet foot, dry foot policy. Anybody who made it to American soil could stay. We encouraged uh, Hungarians, Russians, uh, Poles, others who were behind the Iron Curtain to defect. At a very minimum, we should be having these same policies in place for Russians. And we could even go a step further uh, by saying, um, you know, you can get out as many assets as you want. We'll give you uh, a special pathway to get a visa even faster. You may not necessarily even have to come onto American soil. You'll go to an American embassy or consulate overseas. You get a visa there, and then you can come to the United States. We set this up pretty well with the uh, Ukrainians. We've admitted about 125,000 Ukrainian refugees sponsored by Americans uh, living in their homes mostly until they get established in the United States. We should have a similar policy to try to get Russians out who are fleeing this this regime. Now, we should understand that the extent to which, you know, the more talented, the more uh, high skilled a lot of these uh, people are, if they were to remain under the thumb of the regimes that they're remaining in, they are at the service of the state. That's correct. They will be at minimum paying taxes in Russia that will support the Russian state, which is engaged in this war. And some of them will be conscripted into the armed services, and others will work for firms that are defense contractors, producing uh, weapons or new technology that could be made or incorporated into the, um, the Russian or, in the other case, the Chinese military. It's a much better deal for our defense, but also just our long-term economic growth vis-a-vis -vis these countries to allow these productive individuals to come to the United States. We don't have great data on Russians who have left since the beginning of the war in Ukraine. Uh, the estimated numbers are just above 800,000 total, uh, which is a fairly substantial number of, of Russians relative uh, to their population. It's less than a percent. It's about half a percent or so of Russians have left. Um, you know, 100,000 or so estimated have gone to Turkey, 100,000 to Georgia, more than 100,000 to Kazakhstan, 50,000 to Armenia. Most of the rest have gone to Europe. Um, but these numbers could be much greater. These numbers could be probably not an order of magnitude higher, but they could be three or four times higher. Um, and we could get a lot of benefits from this. I mean, this is the largest exodus from Russia that we've seen since the October Communist Revolution in 1917 when people were fleeing the Bolsheviks. And as far as we can tell, the people who are leaving tend to be younger uh, men with skills, many who work in IT and technology, but also lots of artists, directors, film directors, uh, intellectuals, architects, some academics, and then just a large number of men who very understandably do not want to be conscripted into the Russian military and go to fight in a war that they don't believe in. 
Alex Narasta directs economic and social policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.